that last song that our, our praise team led us in resonates with me. We all need the Lord, and any preacher who is worth his salt understands that when he stands to preach God's word, he is in desperate need of the help of the Lord. A preacher does not usually begin his sermon by correcting something in the sermon, but I'm going to do that today. If you, um, I have to get my sermon in line by Tuesday or Wednesday or Fred will get a hold of me. And so I turned my sermon outline in and I wrote here, not one time does it refer to that miracle muscle that each of us has that is located behind our sternum. That is an incorrect statement. <clears throat> I was studying and I thought of the 800 times the word heart is mentioned in the Bible, I could not think of one that referred to the actual muscle that we have, each of us. And then I got to thinking, I better check that. And so I did, and I spent about 20 or 30 minutes. I looked up the word javelin, and I looked up the word spear, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll look up the word arrow. And guess what? Twice in the Old Testament, there is a reference to uh, Jehud, who was the king of Israel, killing a man, and it went, it pierced his heart. And so I wanted to correct that. Uh, but of the 800 times the Bible uses the word heart, just a very few of them refer to our actual heart. I feel better having confessed that. <clears throat> so I want you to turn in your Bibles to First Samuel, and we're going to read some selected verses from this particular book. Now, when I use the word Bethlehem, almost always we think, of Christmas. But Bethlehem was an important part of the plan of God hundreds of years before our precious Lord was born in Bethlehem. And the reason he was born in Bethlehem, you remember in Luke 2 it says that uh, he was of, Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. David grew up in and around Bethlehem and that's where Samuel went to anoint David as a young shepherd boy as king of Israel. He followed Saul, and then, of course, Solomon came later. So let me read the word of God to you today. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now let's drop down to verse 6. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look on the things that man look at. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
And God does look on the heart. We have a tendency to judge people. Now, if you were to read the rest of the chapter, he finally finds the seventh son of Jesse, whose name is David, and David is anointed king. And the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Some of you have seen that commercial. I think it's called Cardiomobile. And they try to sell it to you. It's a little pad. If you place these two fingers or four fingers on it, it will give you a, 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 an electrocardiogram about your heart rhythm. And then they say, if you do this, your cardiologist will thank you. Well, that's not exactly true. Now, if you send that to your cardiologist, I dare say he will not get to you that afternoon. But, you know, we get sold a lot of things on TV, and some of it is under snake oil. I don't know if that is. But the question is asked in the commercial, how is your heart? And the man will say, fine. And the man will say, are you sure? He said, well, I hope so. And so today, I want to ask the question, how is your heart? Now, I'm not talking about the physical heart. I'm talking about that place that is referred to 800 times. And in fact, if you have an old copy of the King James, it is referred to 826 times. And two or three times, it refers to the physical heart, but Almost every other time when the Bible uses the word heart, it refers to something different, some place in our body, our soul, our spirit. Now, a student of the Bible may come across what is called the principle of first mention. Now, let me explain that to you. The principle of first mention has to do with when there is an important word in Scripture the first time it appears in Scripture sometimes has special significance. And so what I did this week, and by the way, this sermon grew out of a, a study and some meditations in my heart about the condition of my own heart as a Christian. And then I thought about the fact that we who are Christians need to give ourselves a periodic examination of the condition of our spiritual heart. And the first three times the word heart is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 6. And if you would let me read these words to you, I think they're printed in the bulletin. And the first one is in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Now, I read that verse, and I reread that verse, and it occurs to me that the Lord is saving something that is very troubling. Now, remember, God created Adam and Eve and gave them dominion over a place called Eden, and it was not long before the fallen angel that we call the devil came and tempted them and they sinned and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Several hundred years have passed 
And the malignancy of sin had so spread in the world that when we get to chapter 6 of Genesis, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Folks, you and I are living in a similar day. It seems that we in our society are inundated with evil, lawlessness, carelessness, disregard for the things of God. We as a country are increasingly more secularistic than we have ever been. And so I believe the first time in the Bible when the Bible refers to the heart, it refers to the heart as being a part of what we think. And here the Lord says that man's wickedness on the earth had become that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart. And so in the Bible, one of the things the heart means is what are the conditions of our mind? What is in our mind? What is our thought process? The heart refers to many things in the Bible, but the law of first mention, it refers to our intellect, to our mind, and what we think. And folks, as Christians, what we have in our mind is very, very important. The heart that is, social, is, is associated and linked to not only our what we think, but how we think. And that leads me to talk about what Proverbs says. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so what we learn here is that what is in our heart determines the kind of person we are. What we think about, what our minds go to, is it makes up who we are. It can be very good or it can be very bad. And, and in Proverbs it says, as a man or a woman thinks in his or her heart, so is he. Now that's not to be taken literally because if that were true, then every boy at age 15 or 16 would turn into a girl because that's what they think about. And I can vaguely remember a long, long time ago, right after the Civil War, that's how I thought. And so our mind, of course, is important. And what we think about is important. And how we think about is important. And the Bible teaches us that sin grips us and therefore it is, behooves us and it ought to be of concern to us what our minds speak of. That is the reason, and you've heard me say this before in my few months that I have been here, I think it is important for a Christian to develop what I call a biblical worldview. Now, what is a worldview? A worldview is what you as an individual or we as a group what we believe about what is important in our lives, what the institutions are, what, what, what I believe about the sacredness of life, what I believe about what is the biblical definition of marriage, what I believe about a number of things 
That is my worldview. And increasingly, we have a view that is being taught that it has nothing to do with a biblical worldview. A Christian, our, our country is not a Christian nation. And I'm not even saying it ever has been in the truest sense of the word. But if you read the documents, you will find that we were a nation that was rooted in a belief that God has blessed us and, and even on our money in God we trust. That doesn't mean much anymore. But there was a time when we were less secular and we had a greater appreciation for the things of God. And that's the reason I have said to you young parents, it is imperative that you be responsible to help your child develop a biblical worldview. Don't expect public schools, and I love our public schools, the, the, the good part about it. I, when I was at Franklin Heights, I, I counted up one day, that, and we had 30 teachers in our church that were active school teachers or retired school teachers. And I appreciate those teachers who, who teach for uh, a lot less money than they could otherwise make in another field. But in the last 25 or 50 years, something is happening in the school system. I don't know if you read what happened in Lexington. They found in the middle school in Lexington, Virginia, two books. One, sexualized Jesus Christ and made reference to him in a sexual way, a form of pornography, and it had somehow gotten into the middle school in Lexington, Virginia. Folks, it is up to us as Christians to teach our children those things that relate to a biblical worldview. <clears throat> this is not a political statement. It is a moral statement. What you think about abortion is important. Now, you can have a view that has been perpetrated on us by politicians. We can have a view that has been perhaps perpetrated on us by the American Medical Association. But if you read the Bible, life is sacred. Life is important. And if you have any question, go to your Bibles and turn to Psalms 139, verse 13 through verse 16. And read it and reread it, and it says, and it declares without question that God was mindful of us in our womb. God is involved in the sacredness of life. And though it may seem pop unpopular to say that from the pulpit, but if there is any hope of America we must have a biblical view of the sacredness of life. Therefore, as a Christian, we ought to be careful about what we have in our minds. There are good things and there are bad things. What do I believe about marriage? What do I believe about the definition of what a man is? Fifty years ago, it was never a question about how to define a man. And I've watched some of the hearings now on TV, and some of the senators will ask somebody in government, can you give us a definition of a man or a woman? 
And, and, and they refuse to do that because they think that somehow gender is a fluid thing. In the beginning, God created man and God created woman. And this may be old-fashioned, but that's what I believed when I was 22 and at 84, I still believe that God defines what a woman and a man is. Therefore, it is imperative that we understand that our minds, our hearts, must be filled with that which is according to the Word of God. Now, folks, it may be at a step in society. It may be unpopular with what the majority thinks, but, folks, the majority is not always right. This is what I need to look at in order to form what I believe a man is, a woman is, what I believe the sacredness of the life is about. I think it defines what marriage is. It is between one woman and one man. And I don't care how unpopular that is, it is still the biblical view. Now, let me say, because some of you are going to get real upset at me, I know. I believe that everybody in America ought to have rights. I do. And even though I may disagree with that lifestyle, I do not believe that we ought to demigrate or degrade anyone. But in terms of what constitutes a marriage, and everybody ought to have those civil rights, from the biblical perspective, marriage is between a man and a woman. Amen? Therefore, in this, uh, he's talking about the mind. Now, this is in case this law of first mention in a very negative way. In other words, he is saying, God is saying, and that every inclination, every thought process of their hearts was only evil all the time. And so the mind is a part of what we call the heart. But there's a second thing here in the next verse. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. Even as a young preacher, uh, this used to trouble me, that when you read the Bible, God in his goodness and grace created Adam and Eve, and we sinned, and it was not many millennia until it said that God was grieved that he had created man. And listen, it says, And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart, was filled with pain so that the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that, are, that move among the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. He's talking now about the judgment of the flood. And you remember the promise was given that God would never again judge the world with water. But here he is saying that the heart has to do, God's heart has to do with emotions and our heart has to do, we know that. We know about the heart having to do with our emotions. And it is particularly true, of course, in the New Testament. I am, I am grateful what Matthew 5 says. Blessed are the pure in heart. 
Now, that doesn't mean perfect. There's not one perfect person here. You are not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of God's children are perfect. But God says that happy or blessed is the person who desires to have a pure heart. Does that mean a perfect heart? No. But it does mean a heart that has a hunger and thirst after the things of God. For in the same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And there are many, many times as a Christian, I, 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 I say, Lord, I, I really want to know in my heart, do I have a hunger and thirst after righteousness? My wife and I were sharing this morning about some spiritual things, and my life has been blessed. I am reading a wonderful book written by Elizabeth Elliot, and some of you probably know her, but she wrote about Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was a wonderfully strong woman, born in Ireland, went to India, and spent 55 years, never came home, and she, her ministry was rescuing little girls from being sold into prostitution because of Hinduism. They, they had temple prostitutes. And for 55 years, you can Google uh, that, this on, on Google, and they'll give you a little tour of the place where she's, and it's still in operation today. But here, Amy Carmichael, a, a strong, godly woman, whose heart was to know God, and, and that book has blessed my heart. And so the question today, not only is the heart about what we think, blessed are the pure in heart, and then Paul in Philippians says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable, if there's any excellence or anything praiseworthy, think on those things. In other words, there are things that we ought to fill our minds with. There are things that are positive and good and that will help us as Christians to have a, have a mind that is fixated on things that count for eternity. So much of our lives are lived with the here and now and we drive the stakes of life deep into the earth that we have little time to think about what counts for eternity. Because I think the most important question that any of us have, this is, this is both a philosophical question and a theological question. And the question is, where will I spend eternity? Eternity is a long time. And where we spend eternity makes a difference. And I'm not talking about being Baptist. I'm talking about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful for people who love the Lord abroad the spectrum of people. Methodist, Baptist, Church of the Brethren, the Christian Church on the Hill. The main thing is our, do we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the reason Paul warned us in chapter 12. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Folks, what we think, what's in our minds are important. And I think I've told you this. Uh, 
as a young man, as a young married man, I, I made a covenant with God. And uh, I, I ha have and still have a beautiful wife. We've been married 62 years. But as a young man, I made a covenant with God. And, and, and folks, I'm not trying to be dramatic. But because I knew my flesh and because I had read stories of preachers who had, whose lives had, had decimated a church because of adultery or unfaithfulness, and I said, Lord, I said, I would rather you kill me than to defame the name of Jesus and bring shame on my two little children and embarrass my wife. And I ask God to help me live by that covenant, live by that promise. We're living in a time, folks, a, a young preacher, in fact, it was the preacher that was here, Jeff Robinson, he asked me one day, he said, he said, Reverend, he, he thought I had a doctor's degree, he kept calling me Dr. Holland, and I finally said, Jeff, I don't have a doctor's degree. In fact, we had a bunch of people in our church who had terminal degrees, and one professor said, Preacher, why don't you have a terminal degree? I said, Brother, I already know more than I'm putting into practice. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I went to college four years and went to seminary for three years. I already know more. Why do I need, I don't care if you call me doctor. I said, I don't have a doctor's degree. What I'm saying is, is what's in our mind is important. And the second thing is, is, is the heart is about emotion. And that's what it, it, it says, the Lord was grieved. And it says, uh, and his heart was filled with pain. I, I, I am grateful that God created us. And, and it's not only about grief, and some of us here know what grief is. I'm not the only one. You're not the, that we've lost children. We know what grief is. We know what pain is. Some of you are going through life-threatening disease. You know what pain is. But I'm grateful that there are other emotions that God has given us. I, I am grateful. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about Valentine's Day, but they, they talk about, you know, I love you with all my heart. I don't know really exactly what that means, but... Uh, they make a lot of money off of it. And by the way, they spend a whole lot more money for uh, Mother's Day than they do Father's Day. That kind of hurts my feelings. But <laughs> my, my point is, I, I'm grateful that God made us to have emotions that we can love each other. I, I, I love my wife. I love my daughter. I love my family. I, I love the family of God. And I thought about this, and I've given it some considerable thought. What time is it? Oh, I've got five minutes. I've given it some considerable thought. You, you've allowed me to come and preach to you. I was retired, and, and, uh, but, and, and, and some of you said, somebody said, if I, if I could have heard you when I was younger, I, I think I'd lot, know a lot more about the Bible, and I appreciated that. But you have blessed me and my wife by allowing us to come here on Sunday. And I really mean that. I'm just not whistling Dixie, and I'm not asking for a raise. The point of it is, I, I love the people of God. I, I, so I've known many of you for decades, but coming here, and I don't know how, six or eight months, I, it, it has meant something to me. And, 
And, and my wife, through the week occasionally, you said, you know, I enjoy, we go to, to Rocky Mount Baptist. Now, don't tell anybody at Franklin Heights I said that. <laughs> <clears throat> they may take me off the church road. But I'm glad that God made us people who can love and people that, uh, and I appreciate, and, and, and God has placed in the, the mind of people to be compassionate. That's what the sermon, I mean, the, the, the story of the prodigal son, the, the man, the, the Samaritans had, he said he was moved with compassion. And, and the ladies who gave now, announcement, a lot of that was about this church being moved with compassion to, to do things for people who are less fortunate than us. And I, I think that's wonderful. Other churches do that because systemic in the Christian heart is that we ought to care about people. I remember one Sunday there was a lady that slipped in. She was homeless. And, and I, I heard that people gathered around her and, and, and helped pay for a, a place for her to stay. Christian people ought to be moved with compassion because the heart, the Christian heart, is about compassion. And I recognize there, and please don't misunderstand this, but occasionally if I, I'm a, I see somebody, I will be led to give them money, and I don't know what they use it for. And I, and, but but I, I can only do what the Lord, I feel, wants me to do. Does that make sense? And, and, and we ought to have a heart of compassion. That's the reason Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one towards another. The thing that ought to earmark the church is not how big we are or how this we are or how that we are, but that we are marked by love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Finally and in closing, our heart is about our will. And in Genesis chapter 8, this is the third time, the first two was in Genesis chapter 6. The third time heart is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 8. And the Lord said in his heart, I will. God has given us a will. And I, I've learned a long time ago that I have the power to choose and the choices that I make make me and you the person we are. Doesn't that, that make sense? In other words, we make choices and, and we have to be responsible for the consequences of those choices. God has given us a will and therefore we have to make choice. And the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. Write this down. Hell was not created for you and me. It was for the devil and his angels. And if a person rejects Jesus Christ, and this, this week I was at the post office, and I thought I recognized this man, and, 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 I, and I really, I have a little hearing problem, and, and I thought he called me, and, uh, and a lot of times people say, preacher, and, and so I turned around, and he was looking at me, and so I thought he had, and I, and I got over there, and I realized that I, I, I don't think I heard him correctly, but I said, well, since we're talking, he said, I'm a retired truck driver, and I told him this and that, and, that. and so I started to witness to him about the Lord.
and just like that, he cut me off. He said, oh, I've heard that. And he was in his 70s. But he's making a choice. And if he spends eternity in a place called hell, it will not be because the Lord wanted him there. Does that make sense? Folks, God has given us a will. So I close with this. How is your heart today? Fine. Are you sure? Well, you hope so. The mind, the emotion, the will has to do with our hearts. How are our hearts today? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you have told us, even in the book of Jeremiah, I will give them a heart to know me. And Lord, I pray that I would have a heart at my advanced age to know you, to love you, to serve you, to honor you. Lord, the question is, what is the condition of our hearts? We're grateful for your word. And may we have a a view of the world seen through the lens of God's word. And I make this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn, and Brother Fred is going to come and lead us. And if you have a prayer burden today and you want to share with me, I was out visiting this week, and I visited a, a, a person, and, and that person began to talk about the daughter in the home and what a problem it was. And I made a promise. I said, I'll go home and write that girl's name in my prayer journal, and on every page of my prayer, I I, I, I pray for that girl. Try, every day, pray for that girl. So if you have a need, you want to share it with me, whatever your need today, if you want to respond, you come as we stand and sing.